What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. Tonight's episode, we got the NBA Finals in full force going on right now with Game 3 getting ready, getting all ready and set. Games 1 and 2 are in the books. Some early free agent previews uh, with some... Big names hitting the markets in just a few weeks when the season uh, concludes. And then a couple more uh, head coaching moves around the NBA, including the Quinn Snyder news and Rashid Wallace getting uh, an assistant coach job for the Los Angeles Lakers. Hope everybody's doing well. Been plenty of basketball going on. It's been jam-packed as usual. Obviously, the NBA Finals are in full force. College basketball kind of taking a little bit of a backseat. Uh, throughout throughout the past couple of weeks. The NBA draft is kind of what's gearing up and everybody's kind of getting ready for that. Um, there, So there isn't too much going on in the college basketball world besides Isaiah Mosley um, transferring to Missouri, Missouri State star. Uh, he just transferred to Missouri, but that's, that's really about it. Most of the transfers have already made their decisions. Guys have made their decisions on – who's in the draft, all the head coaching changes are pretty much in the books and um, pretty can pretty much leave the 21-22 season behind us and just preparing for the 22-23 season that will begin in November, which will be here sooner than you think. But jumping first into some NBA news, Quinn Snyder steps down um, as head coach of the Utah Jazz. Quinn Snyder, obviously one of the better head coaches in the NBA, 55 years old, he decided to step down with basically um, some different ideas of the direction of the franchise. They didn't go too much into detail. It wasn't really a firing. It was more, I think, of a mutual parting of ways. He probably wanted, um, he probably wanted to explore other other uh, avenues, other teams to potentially coach, um, especially in his prime right now of his, of his coaching. Uh, career. He played at Duke from 1985 to 1989. A little backstory on him. He was an assistant coach for the Los Angeles Clippers back in the 90s. 
then was an assistant coach for one season each for the Sixers, Lakers, and Atlanta Hawks uh, in the early 2010s. He was a head coach overseas for a long time, but most notably, before getting the Jazz job, he was the head coach at the University of Missouri from 1999 to 2006 and helped them reach the Elite Eight in 2002. So that's kind of where he uh, made his big name from coaching and then got back, then started going overseas, got back into the NBA a little bit, and then got the Utah Jazz job in 2014, spent eight seasons there, was 372 and 264 career record, 21 and 30 in the playoffs. As you know, we've seen over the last several years, he made six straight playoffs before leaving this year. But a 21-30 career playoff record, never made it past the semifinals either. So he's never made it to a conference finals, never made it to an NBA finals. Um, so that's pretty much uh, the synopsis of Snyder's career. So it's 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 been a very, um, very interesting road for the Utah Jazz over the past several past several seasons you know we had that craziness going on with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell right around COVID time you know Gobert was the first known player to get COVID was very um lackluster about the importance of not spreading it all that kind of stuff Donovan Mitchell wasn't very pleased about that and ever since then there's you know you although they claim that they've brightened things up it's been a lot of talk about how you know the mindset is kind of either me or him at this point. And it definitely is something to look at, especially with Snyder gone, you know, who will they be shopping if they'll be shopping anybody? Apparently, you know, everybody's, there's been so many articles over the past week since the Snyder firing about who can be, about who's potentially going to trade for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, The Miami Heat have become a, a potential landing spot. The Knicks, obviously, a potential landing spot, mainly due to him being from New York. Um, those are those have been like the main ones that have come out. Uh, you know, people are coming up with mock trades, mock scenarios about everything that could go on. But apparently, the Utah Jazz came out and said that you know there's no plans, regardless of Snyder firing, there's no plans to to trade Donovan Mitchell. And the only way that they would consider it is with an unbelievable uh, amount that they would get back in return. So very difficult to, you know, to be honest with you, I, I don't, I still don't see it happening. I'm not sure. I feel like the jazz think so highly of Donovan Mitchell that I'm not really convinced that they're going to get, let him go anytime soon for just about anything. You know, I think, if it comes down to the point of Donovan Mitchell demanding out, which he, which to the public knowledge, he hasn't done yet. Um, you know, a lot of people say that he's frustrated, all that kind of stuff, but to the public knowledge, we don't know of him demanding a trade or anything at this point um, of, of his time in Utah. But until that happens, until Utah tries to go into a complete rebuild, I think they're, I think they're, you know, going to try to run it back with the guy that they have. Terry Stotts has already come up as a big, as a top candidate for the job um, for Utah's head coaching job. He obviously was a finalist for the Lakers job before they decided to hire Darvin Ham. But, you know, he's, he's experienced in that, in that division. He's experienced, he's experienced playing out um, in the Midwest where, 
um, where, where you spend so many years in Portland. So Utah is not too far over, not too far of a difference um, if if you were to take that job. So they're definitely going to be looking for a veteran. Um, there, there's no doubt about that. And, and Quinn Snyder, as far as it goes, it seems like, you know, it's a very late firing. I'm, I'm sure the Lakers are, you know, they, unless, unless they really, really think Darvin Ham is, you know, the next big thing, I'm sure they're punching the air right now that they, that they hired Darvin Ham a week too soon because, um, Quinn, there was a lot of rumors that Quinn Snyder was the guy that they really wanted. Um, and they would have had to pry him away from the jazz in order to make that happen. But I, I think that, I think it's, um, interesting. The, um, tire situation kind of came out of nowhere. Um, it was all just kind of like rumors, but no, it's, it was, it was a little shocking, but also not too shocking because, um, it's just going to be interesting to see what direction the jazz head in, you know, they've been so close over the last several years, they've got a decent core together, but what does the future hold and who, and who does the future hold too for the team? And so, and some more coaching news around the NBA, Darvin ham hires his first assistant coach. Rashid Wallace was hired by the Lakers. Um, just yesterday, uh, Rashid Wallace goes back to Darvin ham. Um, the two go back to the early 2000s. They both were on the 2004 champion Detroit Pistons team. Um, Rashid Wallace uh, retired in after the 2011-12 season um, and became a head coach almost immediate. And became an assistant coach almost immediately. He became um, he became the uh, in the 12-13 season. I should say he spent his final season with the Knicks. And then um, immediately after became the Detroit Pistons, who he spent so many years with their assistant coach for one season in 13-14. And this past year he spent on Taylor Jenkins' staff for the Memphis Grizzlies. And now he'll be joining the Lakers staff. Uh, he also spent some time in high school over the past several years as a as a head coach. So he's definitely been getting into coaching big time since uh, since he decided to retire. And Rasheed Wallace, you know his his numbers speak for themselves. Anybody who grew up watching him like I did, uh, know how dominant of a player he was. You know he's he's more known for his insane outbursts and you know his technical fouls and all that kind of stuff but uh anyone who really watched him knows how amazing of a player he was in portland in detroit in detroit uh and and he he was really a fantastic player and i think it was a good hire for darvin ham because it's another guy that the lakers are in another very interesting situation because they're going to be stuck with russell westbrook for another year um they're going to be they're stuck with a few bad contracts. It, they they signed a lot of one-year veterans last year, so they're going to have to fill out their bench some way in free agency this, um, this coming year. And do they fill it out with the guys that they tried that they tried to um, fill the team out with this year, and it ended up imploding? I, I'm not sure. I, you know, the, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what the Lakers end up doing because you know. It, they, it looks like they're probably going to have to play another year with the Westbrook, LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis, big three. 
know, I, I don't think their plan is to send LeBron or Anthony Davis anywhere. They would, they would like the two of them to retire as Lakers, but it's Russell Westbrook on the other hand, uh, as a year left on his contract was very inconsistent this past year. And, you know, it might just kind of be a filler year too. I, I'm not too, I'm not too convinced, but then, then again, you know, does that make LeBron frustrated? What goes on behind closed doors with the Lakers? I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they kind of try to fill out the team with some more veterans again this year, um, go into the year with Westbrook Davis and LeBron pretty much the same team because there's not really much that they can do to upgrade because not too many people are going to send send them anything notable. Um, they don't have really any trade pieces. They don't have a first-round pick again this year. They, they're they in a little bit of a tough situation because they went all in and did not expect to miss the playoffs uh, this season. Let, they did not expect to not be a top three seed, let alone miss the playoffs. Uh, they were banking on going all in this season. And just did not work out. So they might, so they could be forced with running with the same squad and just hoping for the best, hoping that Westbrook, you know, figures things out. A second year of the, that big three together bodes well. LeBron stays healthier. Anthony Davis stays healthier. And they got a first year head coach now in Darvin Ham, who, you know, this is kind of like his trial year uh, more than anything. I think that's, I, I don't see it too much as being, um, you know, a, uh, make it or break it year, you know, even if yeah, I, I don't think the Lakers are going to improve that much. And I don't think that if the Lakers do terrible next, the, the, after this year, that ham kind of goes anywhere. I think that's, that's all just stuff that uh, the Lakers are going to have to figure out kind of on the fly. So it, it'll be an interesting one. Rasheed Wallace is a good hire though. Um, I like that move, bringing in some, some more NBA vets that'll, uh, get along with some of the stars that they have on the team. So I think those are all pretty solid moves. And with the NBA finals starting to come down to an end, obviously we have the NBA draft and NBA free agency, which will be coming up shortly. NBA free agency begins July 1st. So we might as well in the meantime, you know, there's three days in between every uh, NBA finals game, which is in my opinion, kind of ridiculous. Uh, it's way too long in between. So instead of watching an NBA Finals game three tonight, we're going to have to wait till tomorrow night to watch game three. But they're going to drag out the series as long as possible. Um, but since since we got some time in the meantime, let's take a look at some of the notable guys who are going to become free agents this summer. Um, it's not a very stacked free agent class. We'll tell you that right off the bat. It's not very stacked. Uh, there's a lot of notable player options, but most of these guys are all expected to opt into their player options. The top player options being John Wall is owed $42 million by the Rockets. Um, I, I don't expect him to opt out of that because he is not going to get anything close to that, obviously. He might get a one-year prove-it deal. If he were to opt out of that, he'd be missing out on millions, but... I expect him to opt back into the Rockets deal probably and maybe play this season for the Rockets or, you know, it's going to be very difficult to trade that contract. You know, he sat out all of last season, was healthy for the majority of it, but they, but he and the Rockets agreed for him to sit out in order to seek a trade that never happened. And it's, and you know, there's one, one year left on this contract. I think, I think the best thing for John Wall to do next season is opt into this contract play for the Rockets um, 
start start off the season and try to become an all star. You know, do as much as you can. Try to try to prove to everybody that you know you're back and see if you can get a, a, another big contract after this season. It doesn't have to be with the Rockets, but you know we understand the Rockets are rebuilding. But there's also a good chance that they could have. Um, he could be playing alongside like Jalen Green and possibly Paolo Bancaro or Chet Holmgren, one of those three, one or Jabari Smith, one of those three guys, along with Jalen Green next year and Kevin Porter Jr. So he's got, so he'll have a little bit of decent young talent around him too. So there's there would it would be a shock if he doesn't opt into this contract. It would be completely just to get out of Houston, um, and it, you know to it. It, he'd be turning down like pretty pretty much close to forty million dollars because you can't see him getting much more than just a one year uh, veteran minimum kind of deal for uh, the upcoming season. And then James Harden, on the other hand, also owed forty two million next year by the Sixers. Um, he was he was talking about opting out of his contract when he was on Brooklyn, and then after getting traded to Philly, he said that he would opt into his contract. And then he didn't play that great for Philly. So it, I don't think that he would, it, on the open market, I'm not too sure he would make, he would get a bigger contract worth $40 million annually. So I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't opt into his contract. He also seems to like it in Philly, um, even though they were a quick out. Uh, he wants to create a big duo with Embiid. He wants to prove himself next year. So give him a full season with the Sixers next year. I, I I don't think that there's any chance that he opts out. Russell Westbrook also has a player option for 40 mil for the Lakers. Not a chance that he opts out. Um, he's not, he wouldn't make anything close to that. Obviously. Um, if he, if he hit the open market, I, it'd be interesting to see what kind of contract he would even get if, if he opts out. So his best, his best thing to do is to opt in and try to run it back with the Lakers and improve a bit. Bradley Beal also is owed $35 million next year for the Wizards. That's an interesting situation because it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. He likes being with the Wizards. The Wizards want to build around him. The Wizards are starting to build around him a bit, trading for Porzingis, trying to put a competitive club together out there. And they got some more draft picks too. They got some good young talent. So uh, he, I don't see him opting out and leaving. I think that he either opts into this contract or he might opt out to sign a long-term contract because I think that he's, um, that he's able to sign a max contract for even more for closer to 40 mil a year. Um, He's he's able to this off season, I I believe. So the them him and the Wizards might end up deciding to do that, and you know making him much much higher paid. And then Kyrie Irving on the other hand, thirty four million dollars also would be crazy for him to opt out. Um, but you never know with Kyrie. I don't think that that he'd get anything with with his inconsistencies. I mean, not his inconsistencies on the basketball court. When he's playing, he's a forty-plus million-dollar player. Like he's a, he's an absolutely amazing player when he's playing. But his inconsistencies off the court, uh, the vaccine issue, you know, just disappearing, being a little bit toxic in the clubhouse, all that kind of stuff. I think would make him not worth uh, not worth as much money as um, he'd be getting paid next year. So, and I also 
you you also can't take his word um at all you know he said that there's not a shot that he would leave brooklyn he wouldn't leave durant by himself all that kind of stuff i mean he already said that about boston and he turned around and left them the very next season so at this point you really can't believe anything he says he is very close to kevin durant though and durant has already signed an extension with the nets is fully in fully in on trying to bring a championship to brooklyn and I think I think Kyrie's going to opt in. Um, I don't think there's any way that he would opt out and test free agency because, all, to be quite frank, if he were to opt out, the Nets are not bringing him back unless the Nets were to get like some some extremely good deal because I think somebody else would be willing to pay pay him like the twenty five to thirty range, which would still be less than the Nets would give him next year if he opts in. But the Nets are also pretty much fed up with him. Like they want to see. The next year's a real prove it year for Kyrie for the in the Nets to kind of fix their marriage um and get things back on track because they the Nets are are pretty livid with the stuff that he pulled this season. Uh they love him as a player, they love him as as a guy, but um just some of the off-court things, I think they they're looking for consistency. And you know, Kevin Durant is at the point of his career where He's going to be injured a bit. You know, he's not going to play a fully two-game season. And they need more consistency coming from Kyrie. You know, James Harden wanted out because he because Kyrie just wasn't there. And I think that, that that's something that he has to prove it um, next season for the Nets in order to for Brooklyn to even want to keep him. You know, I think that if if you know we he's going to, he could opt into the contract. If he opts out of the contract, I don't think the Nets would bring him back. I don't think the Nets would have much interest in signing him. They'd probably go all in on some of the other top free agents to match up with KD and let Kyrie walk. And Kyrie would also get a much less than $35 million, I think, if he were to opt out. So his best bet is opting in and uh, trying to, you know, it's not it's not really up to him. It's, he's got to try to fix that marriage in Brooklyn. And then a couple more player options that are notable, P.J. Tucker, of the Milwaukee Bucks and Bobby Portis of the Milwaukee Bucks are two other player options. That'll be good. Bobby news already came out from Shams that Bobby Portis is going to deny his player option and sign a long-term extension with the Bucks. He's a fan favorite there. He loves Milwaukee. The entire franchise loves him. It's one you part of that championship team a year ago. So he's not going to go anywhere. He's found a home in Milwaukee and, um, He'll probably opt out. I think he's owed, like, he signed, like, a two-year, like, $18 million deal or something like that. He's owed, like, eight or nine, I think, next year. And um, so he, so he'll opt out, and he's going to sign for something much more than that, it seems like, to be one of the higher-paid guys on the Bucks next year, which which he deserves. P.J. Tucker, um, I'm not sure how much he's owed if he opts into his player option. At this point in his career... He's trying to win win a championship. Um, you know, he I would not be surprised. If, I mean, he he already won a championship with the Bucks and um this past year and was with the Heat this year and uh kind of came up short, but again, you know, I think that he's trying to go for that second championship. Um I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he resigns with the Heat, could opt in. That wouldn't be too much of a shock. And then a couple of the team options, Hamadou Diallo, Shake Milton, and Mike Muscala all have team options. 
some very interesting choices there. I think that most of those guys will probably get their options ex- um, exercised. They're not owed that much money, and they're all key pieces of their franchises. Some unrestricted free agents, Zach Levine. is re- Zach Levine is really the headlining face of this free agency class because he's an unrestricted free agent. He's got no options. And it seems like the player options of those four superstars that I meant, the five superstars that I mentioned before, um, all of those guys seem like they're going to opt in and not even test the market. So Zach Levine will probably end up being the, the top guy on the free agent market. Joe Ingles is another one that's an unrestricted free agent. Montrez Harrell, Andre Drummond, who had a great year splitting time uh, in Philadelphia and Brooklyn, probably, in my opinion, um, is looking at a long-term extension. Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks, also an unrestricted free agent this year after being restricted last year. Um, I think he's due to make a lot of money, whether it's with the Knicks or it's with somebody else. Uh, Jalen Brunson, also another guy who capitalized on a big playoff, very good season, and he's kind of due to make some money. They think that he'll get a decent amount of money in the Fred Van Fleet kind of range, uh, like four years, 80-ish million, something like that. Uh, the Knicks could possibly be in on him. He's probably going to he's probably going to get around twenty million a year. The Knicks actually just hired his dad as an assistant coach for Tom Thibodeau's staff, uh, Rick Brunson. So, you know, a little bit of uh, under the table recruiting right there. But Jalen Brunson should get a pretty decent contract. Then Gary Harris, also a free agent, and Joseph Nurkic, other guys who are unrestricted, and then restricted free agents. There's some decent restricted free agents. DeAndre Aiden, obviously, turned down it. Um, this son's turned down, giving him a big extension. I mean, they offered him a big extension. He didn't think it was big enough and contract talks kind of ended after that. So it'll be interesting to see what Eden does. Um, Miles Bridges had a career year this year for Charlotte, just in the right time. He'll be a restricted free agent. I think somebody's going to offer him big money and the Hornets are going to have to make a decision if they can bring him back or not. They already have pretty high salary. And they're going to have to pay LaMelo Ball soon, too. You know, they're already giving Gordon Hayward a lot of money, Terry Rozier a lot of money. They've got a lot of money allocated, and LaMelo is going to have to get paid very soon, too. So I have a feeling that Miles Bridges might get a big contract from somewhere, and the Hornets are not going to be able to match it. It'll be interesting to see, though. Colin Sexton is also another one of restricted free agent, missed basically this entire season uh, after. After getting injured, I think he tore his ACL um, and kind of missed the cat the Cavaliers' renaissance in a way. Um, they were incredible this season, and he really wasn't a part of it. Darius Garland kind of broke out and became the piece for them. So I could see I could see the Cavaliers trying to move on from Sexton. You know, they were they were looking to possibly trade him. Uh, they they might end up, you know, giving him a contract or something and trying to trade him at the deadline. But it's you know. That's definitely a piece that you know they, they could let him go, but I also, I they also have enough money, and they would want to get something, um, something for him too. You know, if if they were to let him go, not just let him walk, because if if you know he comes back and starts playing well again, averaging twenty plus points a game like he's done in the past, then you could probably get a decent amount of veterans uh, that can help you compete for a guy like Colin Sexton from a team that's, that's rebuilding. Uh, so I think that, I think that that's, that could definitely be something to look for. Mo Bamba, another guy will be a restricted free agent. 
I think he's pretty much done with Orlando. Um, Orlando hasn't played him very much. They have too many big men too, and they're going to add another big man with the first overall pick this year. Uh, probably either Jabari Smith or, or Chet Holmgren, but they're going to add another big man. They got Jonathan Isaac. They got uh, Wendell Carter. They got too many big men. Mo Bamba hasn't gotten that much time for them. I think they're going to, they're basically going to let him walk. Um, so they, they might even take the restriction off of him and let him become an unrestricted free agent uh, and not give him the qualifying offer, basically. So I wouldn't be surprised about that. Marvin Bagley, another one, is a restricted free agent. Uh, obviously spent so much time with Sacramento and was traded this year at the deadline to the Detroit Pistons. Played decent for the Pistons in the second half of the season. He'll be a restricted free agent. To be honest with you, I have no idea what the market would be like for Marvin Bagley. That's that's one guy that I'm very interested on in seeing uh, what happens with because I could see I could see somebody giving him some decent money just based on potential, but I could also see him getting like almost no um, decent offers and having to come back on like a one year deal or something. I could see I could see him getting anywhere from like a one year five million dollar deal to um, like a three year. 30 ish million dollar deal from somebody. Yeah, I could I could see I could see either one of those happening. Just it's a very interesting market for Bagley because he definitely has not lived up to the potential of being the number two overall pick that he was in Sacramento. A lot of people thought he was going to be the next superstar. He has been anything but that, but he hasn't been a terrible player though. He's been able to put up decent numbers. Um he's a he's a somewhat valuable starter in the NBA, good role player, good big man, good post player. So he could he could get some some solid offers this offseason um, from you know maybe some young teams that are rebuilding that are in need of a, a big man. So they give they take a chance on him, giving him you know maybe like a three year deal or something like that. And then Dante Divincenzo, the last notable restricted free agent, um, he was notably frustrated. He was with the Milwaukee Bucks, won a championship with the Bucks, was a starter for them for a while, but got injured so he wasn't uh so he wasn't able to start on the championship team and um ended up coming back like later that season they traded for Grayson Allen and he kind of ran out of playing time they traded him to Sacramento at the, at this year's deadline and Sacramento barely played him um and he became visibly frustrated uh vocally frustrated too with Sacramento's franchise basically saying that they they traded they traded for him and purposely didn't play him to drive his um, to drive his stock down so they could try to bring him back for a cheap contract, which, you know, could be the case. I mean, he is a, he's a, was a very good player before the injury. And it, it was kind of interesting um, how the, he was basically traded there fully healthy and was given almost no playing time for no reason. And it's not like they had a very good team. You know, they, he was definitely could have been one of the better players in that backcourt. But, you know, he, he could have a case right there. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, I can still see somebody giving him somewhat decent of a contract. I wonder if Sacramento kind of uh, burned the bridge with with Dante after, uh, after that information came out. Uh, all interesting stuff, though. All interesting stuff. So those are some of the, the notable free agents uh, that will be available come July 1st. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see because, again, it's not a very stacked free agent class. There's a lot of just veterans who are looking for one-year deals. There's a lot of guys who 
you know, there's probably there's not going to be a ton of money spent in this year's free agency unless one of those five superstars that I mentioned at the top, you know, surprise everybody and opt out of their contracts. But John Wall, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving, I don't think any of those five are going anywhere. I think they're all going to opt into their contracts. Um, but if one of them decides to opt out and hit the free agent market, it'll make things a lot more interesting uh, come free agency. But besides that, really, it's it's mainly Zach Levine. I think Andre Drummond might get a big contract. I think Mitchell Robinson will get a big contract. Uh, Jalen Brunson will definitely get a big contract. Those are going to be like the top guys you're looking for. So, so any team that's trying to look to get a superstar via free agency uh, this offseason, you're going to have to wait another year because – um, unless you're able to get Zach Levine, which uh, insiders around the NBA think that it's actually a growing likelihood that he might leave the Bulls, which didn't seem like a very high likelihood halfway through the season when they were doing so well. Uh, they think that that he actually might be open to signing elsewhere. So that would be an interesting thing. He might end up getting a lot more money than he may even be worth too because of how bad the free agent class is. Some team may decide to go all in with all of their – available cap space to to bring him in so that'll be interesting now we'll jump over to the last segment the most important segment the nba finals series is tied one-to-one right now in the nba finals celtics versus warriors game one went to the celtics in golden state 120 to 108 and game two went to the warriors in somewhat of a blowout it was a close game through the through the first half, and then the Warriors busted it open, uh, outscoring the Celtics thirty-five to fourteen in the third quarter, and ended up winning one hundred seven to eighty-eight. A game that they had to win because if they if they dropped both of their home games going back to Boston, they they I, in my opinion, the series probably would have been over. Um, they going down 2-0 and heading into Boston. I think that would have been way too difficult. So now, now we're headed into Boston for game three and games three and four with a series tied one to one. I think the key, you know, my my on the last episode, my prediction was Warriors in seven. Still keeping that prediction. Um, my personal thought is that these next two games are going to be split. I think the Warriors are going to. I my my personal opinion. I think the Warriors pull out game three. And then and take a two to one lead, and the Celtics feel um feel the heat coming and take game four, tie up the series two to two to head back to Golden State for game five. And then inevitably it'll go to a game seven. I think it's just too evenly matched. Um there's definitely been a lot of inconsistent play throughout the series, and especially from Celtic superstar Jason Tatum shot three for seventeen in the Celtics game one win. He was not the reason why the Celtics won, but he did he did help in a variety of other ways. He was three for seventeen from the field, only at twelve points, but he had thirteen assists, had a steal, had five boards, um, was only one for five from three. But and then in game two, Tatum uh, struggled a little bit from the field, was eight for nineteen from the field, but shot well from three. He was six for nine, uh, had twenty eight points, six boards, and three assists. Uh, had four turnovers again, though the turnovers have been a bit of an issue for um for Tatum but again the team is the the team is usually better when he's on the court I mean he had a he had a minus 36 plus minus in game two but had a tremendous plus 16 uh plus minus in game one 
So Jalen Brown has also been uh, somewhat somewhat inconsistent. He hasn't been shooting great from the field. He was 10 of 23 in game one, taking more shots than Tatum did. He was two for eight from downtown, had 24 points. And in game two, he was five of 17, three for nine from three, only at 17 points. Uh, Derek White, on the other hand, too, uh, has been one of the better players for them. 21 points in the first game off the bench and 12 points in the second game off the bench. So I think those are all keys. You know, part of the reason why I think the Celtics blew game two was because of their inconsistent play. They did not get much from their star players. Al Horford only had two points. Um, they, you know, for the Celtics to be able to compete with the Warriors, they need to get those great outings from um, all their di- from their different uh, core, from the guys that kind of broke out. Robert Williams only had two points, two rebounds in fourteen minutes. I mean, that's not going to do the job. Uh, they they did not have a great offensive game in game two. So I think that that's, that's the key, you know, they, and then obviously in game one, Al Horford can burst onto the scene with 26 points and six rebounds, you know, pretty, pretty amazing stat line for his first ever uh, NBA finals game. So I think that that's, that's the biggest key right there. And the, the one player who has stayed consistent though, throughout the entire NBA finals so far is Steph Curry, uh, 34 points shooting 12 of 25 from the field, seven of 14 from three in game one in the game one loss. And then the game two win was nine of 21 from the field, five of 12 from three and scored 29 points. So, you know, he's been the one player that hasn't been inconsistent. Clay Thompson had a decent game one uh, scoring 15 points, but in game two only had 11 points and was shot one of eight from three. So Andrew Wiggins also, on the other hand, had a great game one uh, shooting eight of 15 from the field and, for 20 points and then only had 11 points in game two and Draymond Green got into some foul trouble. Draymond Green is the other big story too. Um, you know, his kind of his antics that have been going on throughout, uh, throughout the playoffs. A lot of people are questioning, you know, how good of a player he still is. If, you know, all he's good for is trash talking, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's always been a part of his game. That's always been a big key to him succeeding has been um, a huge has been the trash talk and getting into players heads, all that kind of stuff has been a big part of, of Draymond's of Draymond's career to this point. And, you know, he, and he's putting it back on the big stage. Um, he does this in the playoffs every year. So it's not really too much of a shock. Um, he's won three titles, so it's going to be very, definitely a very interesting, very interesting, uh, scenario. I think that he kind of threw the Celtics off their rhythm in game two, though. You know, a lot of people, uh, kind of mocked him for, you know, only nine points, seven assists, five boards, but he was part of one of the big catalysts to why Celtics had such a bad offensive game in game two. You know, you could you could tell just by watching the game, he got into everybody's heads, and it was it was interesting to see. it was very interesting to see. And you know, the main key heading into Game Three, I think, is the Celtics need to regroup. Tatum's got to be a lot better. Um, Jalen Brown's got to be a lot better, and they need they need a supporting cast too. You know, they, we talked about big time. The Warriors have a lot of guys 
who can score, who can take over a game on the offensive end. And the Celtics, they they're going to they have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but you know they're going to need Marcus Smart, they're going to need Al Horford, uh, Robert Williams, they're going to need those guys to step up. Derek White, you know, those are all key pieces to to helping them win. So I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, once again, I think it's going to go seven games. I think the Warriors will win Game Three tomorrow night, and then I think the Celtics will win Game Four, heading back to Golden State in a two to two series. That's my, my honest prediction. Um, then as far as the rest, we'll see how that goes, but next week's episode, we'll be able to, uh, preview the end of the series and, um, should almost have an NBA champion at that point. So that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned in the preview, review and preview network to watch another episode of three and D and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the three and D where we're stay extremely active, um, tweeting all of my thoughts throughout. It's the NBA finals, all of the interesting stuff that's going on throughout everything. Um, throughout all of the, all of the, uh, every single game that goes on the free agency, the NBA draft, everything, um, you know, this, that's, and, um, you know, everything that's going, going on across the league. So everybody go check out the Twitter account. That's definitely a big, big part of the show. And, once again, tune in every Tuesday night at 7. And we got one of our friends, the three-man weave, solid show. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys. Always do a good job. Check them out. Um, they got they got a great show going. They've been on been on uh, the 3 and D before. I've been on their show before, too. So plenty of good stuff. They got a lot of good NBA coverage, too, as well, as well as uh, NFL and MLB. So go check them out. And... Go follow us on Twitter at the three and D stay, stay active at review and preview. Like, give us a like on YouTube, subscribe to us on YouTube. we got plenty of great content. Even if you're not a big basketball fan, even if you don't want to listen to me that much, um, you know, we got plenty of great other stuff too. Uh, NFL, NFL content review and preview. Um, we got some great MLB content and hitting for the cycle and uh, some good betting content, too, with, you know, one of our newer shows, too. So everybody go check that out. Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week. And stay tuned for more episodes coming every Tuesday night at 7, coming down to the end of the season. I know going to be very disappointing, but we'll have good guests to try to round out the uh, the season for the NBA and for college basketball. And everybody go check us out every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock and um drop a comment you know we'd love to we'd love to talk to everybody so hope everybody enjoys the rest of their week enjoy games three and four going to be some good ones it'll be very interesting we'll see if there's any other uh head coaching craziness too that happens uh in the meantime but it's you know starting to wind down to the end of the season everybody go make their mock drafts too because i'll definitely be making mine so enjoy it everybody have a good night and we'll talk to you next week